shall we turn our attention to the scriptures Luke chapter 17 verses 5 Luke chapter 17 verses 5 Amen. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Praise the Lord. Father, we give you glory and honor. We thank you for your word. We pray that you will speak into our lives. We pray, O oh God, that your word will do a greater, deeper, wider, higher work in each and every one of us. position ourselves in such a manner father that we are ready to receive of you lord may your name be glorified every resistance to the preaching of god's word we bind it in jesus name we take victory in the house in jesus name we pray and the church said amen amen praise god Today's message is titled Increase our faith increase our faith Week before we were ministering and we reminded the church the importance of cultivating faith in our personal life in our family and as a body of Christ There ought to be a culture of faith in the body of Christ if we have to receive anything of the Lord. Amen. The apostles felt the need to come to Jesus and tell him, "Increase our faith." Praise God. Not increase our fame or fortune. Not increase our power or our popularity they could have asked for a lot of things to jesus but they said increase our faith praise god who doesn't like increase who doesn't like progress who doesn't like mobility who doesn't like to prosper who doesn't like abundance who doesn't like an overflowing experience is the right person that you go to when you go to Jesus and tell him increase praise god but what is it that we are asking for maybe we are asking for increase our wealth increase our situation increase our influence but here the apostles they understood the importance of faith and they are telling jesus increase our faith amen it's important that we understand that who we approach with our need when you walk up to jesus and tell him increase our faith you are talking to the right person for he is the author and the finisher of our faith praise god the apostles realized that if they have to get anything from the realms of god it has they had to tap 
into faith and their faith had to increase. Praise God. The Bible says, as the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 11.6, For it is impossible to please God without faith. He who comes to God should believe that he is and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And the week before we reminded, it's unfortunate to see that the church is full of believers who are unbelievers. Praise God. And then we see out in the world that there are unbelievers who believe. And we ended by saying that there ought to be a shift. There ought to be a transition from the believing unbeliever to the believing believer. Unless we become believing believers, we cannot get anything from God. Praise God. Thank God for his mercies and grace that is fresh, new every morning. But if you want to tap into the realm of the Lord. If you want to tap into the resources of God. If you want to tap into the riches of his grace. It is only accessible through faith. Praise God. Hallelujah. What is faith? You know what faith is. Faith is a substance of what you know is coming your way. Even though it is not yet seen. Faith isn't just simply mere wishful thinking. Praise God. But faith in God and his word. Our faith is not in faith. Our faith is in the Lord and in his word. Praise God. Because he is an unchanging God and his word is unchanging his promise unshakable his word unchanging you and I can trust in him and his word praise God hallelujah whether you see it right now whether you understand it intellectually or experience it immediately we want to let you know that if God says that he will do something, he will do it. Praise God. Faith is a confidence in the trustworthiness of God. You and I can bank on God and in his word and in his promises, they are unchanging. Praise God. It is a conviction that what God says is true and he will bring it to pass and we know Paul writing to Romans says how does faith comes faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God the only way to get faith and strengthen faith is hearing from the word of God reading the word of God saturating ourselves in the word of God immersing ourselves in the word of God consuming the word of God living the word of 
God, living out the word of God. Praise God. That is how you can increase your faith. Praise God. But faith ought to be activated according to James. James says, faith without action is dead. Praise God. Look, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Lord, increase our faith. Praise God. Increase our faith. Now, it is very interesting. I would not do justice to the text if I just overlook the context where this, this statement is made or this request is made. Praise God. I want to say so many things from this particular portion. But before we go into that realm, we want to look at the context. And when the disciples uttered these words, increase our faith. When you take it into consideration, the context that is given there, you will be surprised and you will ask yourself, what does one got to do with the other? Praise the Lord. Look at the context. The context is verses 1 to 4. And of course few things that are mentioned before that. But we will look at verses 1 to 4. Then he said to the disciples. It is impossible that no offense should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone was hung around his neck. And he were thrown into the sea. And that he should that and that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostle said, Lord, increase our faith. So what is the context? Huh? You know, last week I was, just, I was waiting on the Lord. I was asking the Lord, what should, I, what should I share with the church? And the Lord said, increase your faith. And I was all excited, man. Increase your faith. I said, wow, that's good. You know, that's good. I want to preach about that. But then I was pouring myself on the word. And I realized the context that it is written. And you cannot just simply overlook that. When Jesus talked about what? Two particular things. The number one thing Jesus says is what? Huh? Watch out. Watch out. There is a possibility that you can stumble. See, we live in a sin-infested world. We live in a fallen world. And there is potentials all around us where we can falter, fall, slip, stumble. Taking into the fact that we do live in such a world. The Lord is saying, watch out. There is a 
chance that you can stumble. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. In fact, he says it is impossible that no offense should come. Or no, that, that you, it is impossible not to stumble. Praise God. But as God's children, we have a special covering that is available if we are willing to tap into that. Praise God. What is that? Unto him who is able to keep you from falling. Praise God. We don't take this verse and make it as an excuse for stumbling or to falter because we have greater promises his promises are unshakable. His promises that he's able to keep me from falling. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. But if we do fall, if we do stumble, we have the provision given in God's word as to what to do. So the Lord is first saying, listen, you know, what is possible? Hmm? It is impossible that no, no offense should come, but word to him through whom they do come. Praise God. What does that mean? What does that mean? Church, what does that mean? Offense can come, but you don't become the source of offense. You don't become the channel of offense. You don't become the instrument of offense. You don't become an instrument in the hands of the enemy. Or you don't become the instigator. You don't become the one who provokes. You don't become the one who sets it up. See, it's, the Lord is bringing relationships here. Offense will come. But woe to him who is what? Who makes others stumble. Praise God. Who makes others stumble. Praise God. We have stumbled from time to time, but have we ever made others to stumble. And look at the words that Jesus, words that Jesus uses. Hmm. Such important word. He's saying what? Huh? It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea that, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Jesus is saying that, listen, it's one thing for you to stumble. But if you become a cause to make others stumble, 
by encouraging them into worldliness, by encouraging them into filthiness, by encouraging them into sin, by encouraging them into sexual immorality, by encouraging them into the lust, by encouraging them into worldliness. Ooh. We have been called to be people who encourage, edify. What does edify mean? Huh? Build up. We've been called to build each other up. But instead of building each other up, if we are encouraging anyone to walk in paths that are not ordained by God, approved by God, Jesus is saying what? Hey, it was better. In other words, Jesus draws a very graphic picture here. You know, he has in his mind the Pharisees who were causing those who were following Jesus to stumble. Thank God that there are no Pharisees, right? Hello? You know of any Pharisee? Yeah. When you're giant, know some Pharisees. Stay away from them, okay? You don't even want to know who it is. Praise God. Huh? And look at the words that Jesus is using. These cause these little ones to stumble. What little ones? The one in the kindergarten? The one in pre-K? The one in nursery? Which little ones? Yes, church, which little ones? Yes, the ones in the nursery. The ones in the pre-K. The ones in the kindergarten. But more than that, the ones that are babes in faith. The ones that are infant in faith. The ones that are young in faith. Which can be easily misled. Who can be easily deceived. Who can be easily manipulated. Because they are not deeply rooted in the word of God. You can take them for a ride. Anytime, any day. And Jesus realizes and he says, hold it. Why would Jesus use such strong language? Meek Jesus, gentle Jesus, loving Jesus. Oh. It's not very hard. I'll tell you, I'll drive it home if you're patient. Jesus as a good shepherd he was saying that I will go to any degree to defend my lambs. That's what he was saying. Church, did you hear what I said? The Lord is saying he will go through to any degree to defend you. You ask a dad, you ask a mom. 
you know you want to see the true colors you know you want to see how brave they are how bold they are when they see the kids in jeopardy oh my 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 you can see some of the gentle ones they become into roaring ones praise god we can identify it when our child or our kids are in harm's way our demeanor change our mindset change we move from the defensive posture into an offensive posture because there is something at stake jesus taking that into consideration is saying listen you don't you become a cause for stumble because i will defend it Hallelujah. Praise God. Hmm. Praise God. Yes, little ones can stumble by being encouraged in the wrong things of way. Praise God. The other day somebody told me that they got a text. Somebody sent them a text. Guess what? a porn clip in a text unknowingly without knowing what it is tap it open and you're trapped someone trying to cause others to stumble praise god and the bible says that make sure that you do not become a cause of stumble to your brother to your sister praise god exposing people to habits that are ungodly the other day somebody came up to me and said well what's wrong in taking some alcohol pastor i said why do you ask well x and y is encouraging I want to tell you something. God give you the grace to walk away from such people. Anyone who's misleading you, anyone who's leading you away from godliness, he is not your friend. Praise God. You should have the boldness and the audacity to stand up and say no. Hallelujah. Praise God. And this word that Jesus spoke is towards anyone who would mislead, misdirect anyone else, a brother or a sister into compromising position and lead them away from godliness. Praise God. 
Hallelujah. Jesus uses strong language, boy. And then, <laughs> you know, when we hear someone else getting rebuked, I don't know, depending on your state of your mind and where you are, sometimes some people get a kick out of it. How many of you have ever got a kick after seeing somebody getting rebuked? Nobody? All you guys are such good guys. Amen. Oh, walk out of the church saying, man, today's sermon was for him. Today's sermon was for her. Uh-huh. Praise God. Now, listen. Just when we are in that mood of feeling good, wow, what a whip that was. Jesus says the third verse. Look what he's saying. Take heed to yourselves. Be careful. Pay attention. It is, watch out. It is one thing for someone to cause you to stumble. It's one thing for you to become a source of stumble. But wait, be careful. What is he saying? If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. <laughs> now Jesus shifts it. See, Jesus was the perfect teacher. He's the teacher of teachers. The people around looked at him and said, man, what a teaching. He teaches with authority his teaching is out of this world it was literally out of this world he says immediately Jesus knowing what would go through their mind what would be their response what would be their counter question what is it that they're going to ask this before they ask they say it Jesus said it he said listen man that's one thing to becoming a stumbling block or to lead someone else away. But listen, what if you are the victim? No, none of us are the perpetrators. Suppose you are the victim. What do you do? Jesus says, listen, if your brother sins against you, do what? Huh? What do you do if your brother sins against you? In other words, if you found out that guy who sent that text to you, what do you do? You go and hug him? Man, I was looking for that. No. What do you do? If you find it, I got the number, number of that text that came because I was given that number. And I came this close to pursuing it. The Lord said, drop it. It's not going to do you any good. I was so angry. Boy. I couldn't call it the righteous indignation, my brother. This close. What do you do? Jesus says what? Rebuke him. Oh, man. Jesus says some good stuff, man. We like it. Rebuke him. You know, 
Jesus is saying, if your brother does what to rebuke him? If he sins against you, rebuke him. All right. You know, a Sunday school teacher was trying to teach her class about what it means to confess your sins so you can be forgiven. As she concluded, she asked them, Now, boys and girls, what must you do before you can be forgiven? Well, the class looked at the teacher just like you are looking at me. And the teacher asked the question again. Boys and girls, what must you do before you can be forgiven? The tone of her voice told the kids, the students, that she is getting serious. So one little one came up with the answer and the little boy said, Well, before you can be forgiven, first you got to sin. <laughs> Logic, right? The answer would be what? Confess your sin. But the boy thought out logically, he's an innocent little kid, and said, well, before you can be forgiven, you have to what? You have to sin. No. I need to say to make you laugh. But look what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, rebuke that brother. Oh. If we were to take it out of context out of context early in the morning, flip the Bible and look and say, rebuke that brother. Oh my God, which brother? Go around looking for that brother. No. The Bible doesn't just simply say, rebuke that brother. If your brother sins against you, rebuke the brother. You got to make sure what? You got to make sure what? That your brother sinned against you. Not everything that you don't like is a sin. Hello. We feel that if people don't rub us the right way, if people don't tap us the right way, if people don't shake our hands the right way, if they didn't hug us the right way, if they didn't look at us the right way, we feel that that's it. No. It's not your feeling. Based on your word, on the word of God, if they sin against you, you can do what? You can give them an earful. Is that what the Bible says? And the Bible says how to rebuke also. How do you rebuke? How do you rebuke? In love. Oh my God. Man. Jesus brings all these things. You know, just when we feel good. Moment, he says rebuke and then the verse says do it in love. How do you do it in love? How many of you have ever been rebuked in love? Nobody? It's very hard. It's very hard to rebuke someone and at the same time do it in love. Oh, it's not easy. Next time when you feel like rebuking someone, just remember that. Rebuke them in love. Praise God. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus said what? Rebuke them in What's the purpose of the rebuke? What's the purpose of rebuke? The church has lost the art of rebuking or disciplining its members. Jesus says rebuke in love. Rebuke if he sins. Rebuke with the intention that he repents. 
and is reinstated. Not rebuked to get a kick out of it. Jesus says, rebuke him. And if he does repent, so the purpose is that he does repent. So someone is trying to make you stumble. Someone has sinned against you. What do you tell him? You rebuke him in love. You tell him you still love him. But you will not stand with it. You rebuke it in love. And then Jesus says, as a nice one. Rebuke him and if he repents, forgive him. Wow. Praise God. Hallelujah. And then Jesus says something again, which, is, which it sounds impossible. And if he sins against you seven times in a day. Ooh. Wow. And seven times in a day return to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. <laughs> Forgiveness. Relationships. If relationships have to thrive, there has to be forgiveness that is exercised. And the Bible pattern is rebuke in love and give them an opportunity to repent. And if they do repent, you do what? Forgive them. Unforgiveness will steal us of our joy. Will make us bitter in our spirit will steal us, will disturb us, will take away our peace. Unforgiveness among husbands and wives. Unforgiveness amongst parents and children. Unforgiveness against in-laws. Unforgiveness against employee-employer relationships. Unforgiveness in the house of God. Would steal what God wants to do in our life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Someone said, home is a piece of heaven on earth. God wants every one of our homes to be a piece of heaven on earth. After all, home is a divine school. Praise God. Where a lot of transmitting takes place. Praise God. But the home has to operate under the order that God has put in the scripture. Praise God. And if the husband and wife, the father and mother cannot get along with each other. If they cannot forgive each other. If they cannot call it quits. If they are every day bickering and fighting and quarreling and threatening. Oh mama, mama. 
God has invested so much in relationships. God wants us to nurture our children in the fear of God in that in that foundation in that home that we call as a divine school. And when the husband and wife cannot get together with, with each other. There are so many husbands and wives that don't want to sleep together. The physical intimacy that God has ordained within the realms of marriage is supposed to be enriching and enforcing the marital relationship. If that same physical intimacy is being used as a weapon to hold each other hostage, as a weapon to fight against each other, to barter, to negotiate. Telling you, you're building a crumbling home. Praise God. A few years ago, a young man came up to me, living in our old neighborhood, and some of you who knows me for the past years, you know where we used to live in the old neighborhood. Came up to me, and just bared his soul. This is, this is probably like good 10 years ago. And it, it actually changed the way I do marital counseling after that. He came up to me and he said that, that, that he's being held hostage in the realms of physical intimacy. And there is so much tension and pressure that is building in the home that they have come to a point of just ready to eat each other up. Look, the tool that God has given to nurture each other and to love and to love by each other is being used by the enemy to, to, to sow discord in family. Jesus says, if your brother, if your sister sins against you, rebuke, and if he repents, do what? Forgive him. Look at that. Jesus says, listen, you know, and if a day in one day comes back to you seven times, for him to come back seven times, he's not coming back seven times because he feels that the first time I did it, it did not, I did not do it the right way. No. That means he did it and then again he did it, he did it again. And on and on and the vicious cycle keeps going on and on. Jesus said what? You got to Forgive. Here Jesus says seven times. Elsewhere to Peter say, Peter Jesus said what? Seven times seventy. I think that's where the manufacturers, they got the idea of the 770. Anybody know about the 770? <laughs> seven years, 70,000 miles warranty. Jesus said seven times 70. You know, the rabbis at the time of Jesus would say a perfect man would forgive a person three times for the same offense. What Jesus did was 
he doubled it up and he added one more for the good measure because Jesus always advocated going the extra mile. Praise God. So he said, seven times? You, you say what? You forgive. See, it is at this context the apostles ask Jesus, Lord, increase our that make any sense? Oh my God. This is the context. I thought that they were healing people left and right. And all of a sudden there was one person that was not healed. And they felt that their faith needed to be just boosted. No. The apostles realize that if they have to bank on the word of God, on the teachings of God, on the teachings of Christ, their faith in this master should increase. What does that mean? It means, listen, it will take a lot of faith when people do the same thing to you over and over and over and over again for you to respond to it over and over and over and over in forgiveness. In other words, see, when you forgive someone and if they keep doing that, you get the victim mentality. And Jesus does not want any of his children to have the victim mentality. He wants us to have the victor mentality. For we are not victims. We are victors. We are going from victory to victory. And Jesus is saying, you forgive. Praise God. So Jesus, when I forgive, don't I become a victim? Am I not being taken for a ride? Isn't that guys in that they are not, aren't they riding all over me? Praise God. They realize that if they have to keep doing this, they need the increase in faith in what Jesus is saying. Praise God. In order to apply the teachings of Christ in our lives, our faith in the teacher ought to increase. Our faith in his teachings, in his word, ought to increase so that we can live by what he is saying. So lesson number one today. Jesus, increase my faith in the realms of able to follow your word in the realms of forgiving. Everybody on your feet. Praise God. Everybody on your feet. We're going to conclude here. We're going to pick it up, God willing, next week. Praise God. All eyes closed. Just a moment. Won't be long. Praise God. Are we a stumbling block? You can answer yes or no.
the Lord knows it. Maybe you are the one that has been offended. Has that made you bitter? Has that made you angry? Has this caused unforgiveness to settle in? Has this made your spirit bitter? If so, Jesus is saying this morning, forgive, forget, let go. Praise God. Hallelujah. In that realms, if you want your faith to increase, your faith in Jesus, your faith in the word of God, your faith in the principles of God's word. Praise God. If you want that to increase, slip your hands up. We'll pray for you. Praise God. All the way up. Praise God. Father, we pray for grace. Just like the apostle prayed, increase our faith. We pray that you will increase our faith. To trust in you and in your word. In the principles of your word. That we may be able to practice it. And see the results. And even if there is a delay in seeing the results. Help us to press on. For we bank on your word. I pray for healing in relationships. Between husbands and wives, between parents and children, between siblings, between fellow brethren, between friends, between employer-employees, in the name of Jesus. I pray that this word will sink deep and bring forth a great harvest of righteousness for your glory. Do so, my Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, as we depart from this place, may your presence go with us. Keep us, sustain us. May we go from grace to grace, from glory to glory, from power to power, from victory to victory, till we reach the heights that God has ordained for us, Father. We give you glory and honor, for it belongs to you and to you alone. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.